Welcome to Quick History, a podcast where I give you a quick history lesson in 10 minutes or less. I am Matt, and I let the dogs out. Now you know. Elizabeth Coleman, also known as Bessie Coleman, was born on January 26, 1892 in Hotlanta. I mean, Atlanta, Texas. She was the 10th of 13 children of George Coleman, a mixed African-American who had Cherokee grandparents, and Susan Coleman, who was African-American. Nine of the children survived childhood, which was typical for the time. When Bessie was two, the family moved to Waxahachie, Texas, where they lived as sharecroppers. Bessie began attending school at the age of six. She walked four miles each day to her one-room schoolhouse, where she excelled in reading and math. Outside of school, chores, and church, she worked in the fields during the cotton harvest. At 12 years old, Bessie was accepted into the Missionary Baptist School on scholarship. When she turned 18, she took her savings and enrolled in the Oklahoma Colored Agricultural and Normal University in Langston, Oklahoma, which is now just called Langston University. She made it through one term before she ran out of money and had to go back home. At the age of 23, in 1915, she moved to Chicago where she lived with her brothers. She worked as a manicurist at the White Sox Barbershop. It was there that she heard stories of flying during wartime from pilots who had come home from World War I. She then took a second job as a restaurant manager to save money so she could become a pilot. In those days, she had two things going against her. She was a woman and she was black. No American flight school would take her based on those two things only, because back in those days, people were stupid. So Robert S. Abbott, who founded and published the Chicago Defender newspaper, told her she should study abroad. He published her story in his paper, and she got financial sponsorship from banker Jesse Binga and the newspaper. Bessie took a French language class in Chicago and then traveled to Paris on November 20th, 1920, so she could earn her pilot's license. She learned to fly in a Newport 564 biplane. On June 15th, 1921, Coleman became the first black woman and first Native American to earn an aviation pilot's license, and the first black person and first Native American to earn an international aviation license from the Federation Aeronautic International. International. She then spent two months taking lessons from a French ace pilot near Paris. And in September 1921, she sailed back home where she became a media sensation. The age of commercial flying wouldn't happen for another decade. And Bessie realized in order to make a living as a civilian aviator, she would have to become a barnstorming stunt flyer, performing dangerous tricks in the air for paying audiences in planes that weren't the easiest to fly. In order for her to succeed, she'd need more lessons. She went to Chicago but couldn't find anyone to teach her, so she went back to Europe in 1922. She spent two more months in France taking an advanced course in aviation. She then went to the Netherlands to meet with Anthony Fokker, 
No, that's his name. Don't censor it. His name is Like the movie, only spelled different. Anthony Fokker was one of the world's most distinguished aircraft designers. She also went to Germany where she visited the Fokker Corporation and received additional training from one of the company's chief pilots. After that, she was ready to head home and become a professional stunt flyer. Known as Queen Bess, she was a highly popular draw for the next five years. She was invited to important events and interviewed by newspapers regularly. She was admired by everyone, regardless of color. Her debut in an air show on September 3, 1922 in an event honoring veterans of the all-black 369th Infantry Regiment of World War I took place in New York on Long Island. It was sponsored by her friend Robert S. Abbott and the Chicago Defender newspaper. The show billed her as the world's greatest woman flyer and featured aerial displays by eight other American ace pilots and a jump by black parachutist Hubert Julian. She became known for her daredevil maneuvers, including figure eights, loops, and near ground dips to large and enthusiastic crowds. The thrill of stunt flying and the admiration of the crowds were just part of her dream. Bessie never lost sight of her dreams to one day amount to something. As a professional aviator, Coleman was often criticized by the press for her opportunistic nature and the flamboyant style she brought to her exhibition flying. She also gained a reputation as a skilled and daring pilot who would stop at nothing to complete a difficult stunt. Once in Los Angeles, her plane stalled and crashed in early 1923. She broke a leg and three ribs. She was committed to aviation and combating racism. She spoke to audiences across the country about the pursuit of aviation and goals for African Americans. And she refused to participate in any event that prohibited African Americans from attending. In the 1920s, she met Reverend Hezekiah Hill and his wife Viola on a speaking tour in Orlando, Florida. They invited her to stay with them and treated her like a daughter. She agreed and opened a beauty shop to earn extra cash to buy her own plane. She was then offered a role in a feature-length film called Shadow and Sunshine. She accepted and hoped that the publicity would help advance her career and provide her with some money to help establish her own flying school. However, when she learned the first scene in the movie was her wearing tattered clothes, holding a walking stick, and with a pack on her back, she refused to do the movie. Doris Rich said, Clearly, Bessie's walking off the movie set was a statement of principle. Opportunist though she was about her career, she was never an opportunist about race. She had no intention of perpetuating the derogatory image most whites had of most blacks. On April 30th, 1926, she was in Jacksonville, Florida, and had purchased a plane in Dallas. Her mechanic flew the plane to Florida to prep for an air show, but on the way from Dallas, he had to make three forced landings because the plane hadn't been taken care of. Everyone begged her not to fly, but she insisted. 
She was planning a parachute jump for the following day and wanted to see the terrain from the cockpit. Ten minutes into the flight, the plane unexpectedly went into a dive, then a spin at 3,000 feet. Bessie was thrown from the plane at 2,000 feet and was killed instantly when she hit the ground. She was 34 years old. Bessie never got to see her flight school happen, but her pioneering achievements provided inspiration for an entire generation of African-American men and women, including the Tuskegee Airmen, the Blackbirds, and the Flying Hobos. Lieutenant William J. Powell wrote in his book, Black Wings, dedicated to her, because of Bessie Coleman, we have overcome that which was worse than racial barriers. We have overcome the barriers within ourselves and dared to dream. He served in World War I and tirelessly promoted the cause of black aviation through his book, his journals, and the Bessie Coleman Aero Club, which he founded in 1929. Funeral services were held in Florida before her body was sent back to Chicago. While there was little mention in most media, news of her death spread all over in the African-American press. 10,000 mourners attended her funeral in Chicago, which was led by activist Ida B. Wells. Info for this episode was borrowed from Wikipedia and OprahDaily.com. No llamas were harmed in the making of this episode. If you'd like to hear it again, you'll have to pay again. Tune in next week, same quick history time, same quick history channel.